Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Reach for Hope. I'm Melissa Anderson. You know, resilience, it's the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. That's what we're here to talk about today. And with me is Crystal Whipple, who is the prevention specialist at Southwest Behavioral Health Center here in St. George, and Colby Jenkins, a former combat veteran who is now inspiring us and others in your new line of work at School Pulse. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. Now, first of all, Krista, can you give us a little background about your former line of work, working with youth and why resilience is something that we all need to learn about through time. Yeah, so I have always worked with at-risk youth. And so that is something that I have seen um, the trend sort of evolve over the last 20, 25 years. And I was starting to feel that I was always in a position where I was reaching kids when it was too late. They had already kind of fallen through the cracks. Um, It was really, really difficult to help kids when they had kind of gone so long without having any sort of intervention. And so I started working in prevention, and that's where I'm at now. And this really got me thinking about this idea of resilience. Um, I've noticed during my time working with youth that resilience seems to have dropped. There seems to be fewer kids with the skills that it takes to bounce back when life sets them sets them back. And so uh, resilience is something that I got really interested in. Um, I know that in talking with other educators and social workers and people who work closely with youth, they're also very concerned about a crisis of resilience. And it's not really just with youth, it's it's sort of a, a running theme within our culture, and it seems to be um, a really really important um, thing that we need to we need to address because we need to get back to being problem solvers. And um, so that's why that's how I got interested in resilience is really through my work with youth, but how we can kind of um, use these ideas of resilience and bouncing back to improve our community. Yeah, it's kind of like coping skills of learning how to get through a problem, work through it, and then get to the other side. Now, Colby, your uh, experiences might be a little different from a different perspective. You're a Green Beret combat veteran. And you have had challenges in the past with uh, resilience, I'm sure, out in the field, and uh, I can't even imagine, actually. Give us a taste of what you've managed to overcome when it comes to maybe losses of comrades or keeping a level head out there in the middle of war. Yeah, thank you. First, thanks for having me, and thank you, Krista. It's a pleasure to, to get to know you more. Um, certainly, as a, as a soldier, as a, as a father, as a, an everyday citizen, there are different battles of resilience that happen. Um, from my experience in combat in Afghanistan, operations in the jungles of Colombia, trying to rescue hostages, uh, doing interdiction missions in Paraguay, South America, there are different levels of stress. Um, and that stress produces trauma that is certainly life altering. And as a soldier coming back from those events, I've, I've learned initially that there, there aren't a lot of resources out there. There weren't back in the, you know, my, prime combat days, if you will. And I've learned that the Army uh, and the military in general, we, we do a great job at preparing our soldiers physically. We can train them, we can equip, equip them, get them ready for battle. But we only get about 50% of our soldier. We're good at physical fitness, but we're not so good at mental fitness. 
So that 50% of the soldier that we're neglecting to train and prepare and arm with mental resiliency, we're, we're actually only getting half of a soldier when we deploy. And so what the army has really shifted uh, to, to that reality that hey, we've got to spend equal amount of time on mental fitness as we do as physical fitness. We're good at counting push-ups and sit-ups and how fast you can run, but how do we train mental fitness? How do we make ourselves strong in that regard? Um, so just having that reality and then overcoming my own uh, trials and, and, and traumas through combat uh, has been eye-opening for me. So I'm grateful to see how the military now has definitely shifted to that reality that we have to address mental fitness uh, just as much as we do physical fitness. And address it when you come back home because that's For where sure. the PTSD sets in and how to handle this and get resiliency when you come back. Now, Krista, you've organized an upcoming resilience symposium, first time ever here in St. George, of which, Colby, you're going to be a speaker yeah. at, and I can't wait to come hear <laughs> more about what you're going to be talking about here. Um, tell us about this resiliency conference and what it's all about, why, who, who, who it's for. Right. So the symposium is going to be at the uh, Eccles Auditorium on the Dixie State University campus on April 26th from 6 to 9 p.m. And uh, the reason why I got I had the idea to organize this symposium is because I was thinking, as I said, a lot about resilience, both in my work as a prevention specialist and how can we communicate these values of resilience and teach the coping skills to youth, but also as a parent. Um, you know, I was seeing my son struggle with anxiety and that was really unfamiliar to me. I consider myself to be a resilient person. That's a really important core value. It's something, it's a story I like to tell myself about myself that mm -hmm. you can't knock me down because I always get back up. And that's really important to me, but I was struggling with how do I teach that to my kid? And so I was really thinking about that. I was like, how did how did I get this way, right? Did, did someone teach this to me? Was I born with it? You know, I have a brother who, who's the opposite. He struggles with resilience. He really struggles to get back up. And, and, and um, uh, we were raised the same way in the same household. And why do I have this ability to bounce back whereas he doesn't? And it was, it was concerning to me of how do I teach this skill to my kids? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, well, you know, I, the, what I do when I don't know the answer to something is, uh, is I turn to a book or I turn to people that I trust. And so I wanted to turn to people in the community to start having this conversation about what is it about resilience in general, but what is it about resilience that is going to impact our community specifically, that's going to get at our sort of cultural norms and um, unique challenges that we have here? And what can we do to increase resilience in our community, in our youth, and in our citizens. And so I organized the symposium, and I invited um, a diverse group of speakers to come. I wanted to look at resilience from every possible angle. What does resilience look like if you're a teenager? What does it look like if you're a parent? What does it look like if you're an educator or a researcher or a combat veteran? Um, and so I wanted to get as many different voices at the table as possible. Let's look at resilience. Let's turn it around like a Rubik's Cube that we're trying to figure out, right? And look at it from every possible angle and see what bubbles up to the top, okay? Can resilience be taught? Or does it just have to be earned? And if it has to be earned, how do we ethically put kids in situations where they can earn it, right? You can't knock a kid down on purpose, yeah. <laughs> right? right. Um, and so what do we do? And um, 
So, so I'm very excited to hear what all of our speakers have to bring to the table. Our keynote speaker is Lenore Skenizi. That name may be hopefully familiar to some people. She's an author of the a best-selling book called Free Range Kids. Um, she also started a movement called Free Range Kids, which actually grew into an organization called Let Grow, um, founded by some of my heroes. <laughs> and um, what they're dedicated to is giving kids childhood independence. One of their theories is that kids are too overprotective that we're not giving them enough opportunities to be on their own, to solve problems, to get lost and find their way home and, you know, mm -hmm. develop the skills of, of resilience and problem solving. And so they're becoming adults that don't have those skills. Right. And uh, Lenore and... Um, the Let Grow organization were uh, key in getting a bill passed here in Utah. Utah was the very first state to pass a bill um, for uh, basically legalizing childhood independence. It's a reasonable childhood independence. So obviously you cannot neglect a kid or put them in dangerous situations. But uh, more and more you hear stories all across the country about parents being investigated by Child Protective Services for letting their kids walk home or play in a park or stay home alone for a short period of time. And that definitely doesn't go along with the cultural ethos here in Utah. And so the Utah was the first bill to pass, um, the first state to pass a bill saying that you cannot investigate parents for giving their kids reasonable independence. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're a leader in the nation here and several states now have followed suit and passed similar bills. And oh. um, so she's coming to talk about childhood independence and why that's such a key time in developing resilience. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, uh, if you can't make a mistake, how are you going to learn from it? That's the yeah. way I look at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit more about the other speakers here in a minute. But Colby, you're no stranger to public speaking. I've heard you speak before well, here you. at the DSU campus. Tell us a little bit about more about your experiences in the past and and uh, give us some background on what else you've done. Okay, yeah. So I'm a Utah native from Roosevelt, Utah. And after high school, I went to West Point that launched me into a military career, first in the infantry, then the Rangers, and then the Army Special Forces as a Green Beret, where, I've, where I remain. Um, I've been in the Army for 23 years and counting now. I'm a colonel in the reserves, no longer active duty, but but in the reserves and, and serving uh, assigned to the Special Operations Command for the Pacific Theater. So I'm still active, but in a reserve capacity. And and, and those those service opportunities have brought me through many crossroads, if you will. Um, the military's sent me to combat. I've I've done uh, combat, if you will, in, in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, been a Green Beret liaison there where I had the opportunity to interact with senators and congressmen and travel the world with them, showing them what it is our special operators do and need, mm -hmm. uh, being their liaison. And then from the Pentagon, I went to Google headquarters where I worked for uh, four years in people operations, um, privacy policy. and But most recently came back here. We wanted to get back to Utah. My wife and I are Utah natives and brought us back here. I worked at the Innovation Plaza here at, on campus. And as the director there. And, and then just two weeks ago, I, I joined uh, School Pulse as the CEO. And all of these different touch points for me have connected dots that, that I feel have brought me to this point that right. have really informed the work that I am have the privilege of being involved in right now with, with School Pulse. So what is School Pulse? Tell us a little bit about how this kind of crosses over into what we're talking about with resiliency. Yeah, because you know, really at the end of the day, I think resiliency begins with those human connections, those human connections where people feel validated, heard, uh, supported, understood. And that's what School Pulse, that's at the core of our, our mission is to connect with every student. And it, School Pulse got its birth uh, a few years ago when, when a local 
hero uh, therapist expert Yuri Mello and and connected with his friend Trent uh, Staley who's a tech savant uh, very highly capable in, in building technology platforms and there were some suicides here in the area and Yuri and other principals were trying to figure out how can we get our knowledge into the fingertips of our students how can we be there with them we just can't get to all of them and and having that conversation Trent essentially said, well, I can put you in their fingertips. I can build something that puts you where students are, and that's on their phones. <laughs> if we are going to impact them and connect with them, we need to be where they're at first mm -hmm. um, to help provide support. So that gave birth to School Pulse, which is a direct text messaging platform that delivers positive psychology to students. And for adults, we provide schools uh, a custom dashboard that shows the sentiment of what our interactions with students is in an individual school. Um, so we proactively text students, they respond to us anonymously um, and build those connective tissues where they can essentially unload and be heard and connected. And then our therapists and our professionals help steer those students, those youth to human connection, to trusted adults. Um, but first we hear them. We, we validate their concerns, what they're sharing, whether it's, hey, I got a new puppy mm -hmm. or I think I might be pregnant. What do I do? Yeah. And Listening is very important. Yeah. And so we, we help do that. And we, we provide our educators, our administrators with actionable intelligence, which as a military guy, you, for me, you can't get better than that. When you have actionable intelligence that enables you to act proactively instead of reactively, um, then that's priceless. So we'll we'll give educators, hey, here's what's trending in your school. Here's what we're seeing. Because um, each text that we receive, we have artificial intelligence that, that grades its sentiment. What's What kind of words are being used? What sentiment is being in that uh, constructed? And then that allows us to provide that information to the educator so they can see what's happening. And and then engage proactively. Yeah, well, um, that that is going to be something that you'll probably talk about during this program too. Yeah. It, and the validation, I think, is key to validate people's feelings, not necessarily to say, yeah, uh, you know, I totally agree with yeah, you, yeah. but the fact that I, I understand, I get it, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you, yeah. I'm listening to you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. That's a huge answer for, Exa for our team. Exactly, that yeah. validation. Krista, um, we talked about the, the, the keynote speaker, um, and we've got Colby here mm -hmm. that's gonna be talking about his experiences with this and the School Pulse. Tell us a little bit about more, who else is gonna be in this program and, and what, we're, what we're looking to hear. Sure, I'm so excited. Most of the rest of our speakers um, come here from our community. And so uh, they work with all sorts of different people in lots of different capacities. And so um, they're all gonna bring their perspectives here. We have Zach Moore, he is a high school student about to graduate, and so he's gonna bring the youth perspective. Um, we have Nicole Rammel, she's a therapist here in uh, St. George, and she works with all sorts of different families. I know that she has a particular specialty of working with LGBT youth and their families. and um, trying to keep those families together and connected and communicating across maybe th some of their differences. Um, we have Lori Kinsey, who is um, another local organizer um, here. She runs a, an organization called Red Lotus Life that um, brings people together to express their, their creativity and their spirituality in unique ways. Um, and so she's going to bring her personal story. Um, Stephen Gubler is a student here at DSU, and he is um, going to be sharing some research that he is doing on 
on college students and suicidality. And uh, then we have uh, Sam Latui, who is going to be talking about resilience and some of his work um, in building resilience through music. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a wide. Now, this is a, a three-hour special mm-hmm. um, f- from when to when Six and where Six to at? 9 p.m. at the Eccles Auditorium here at the DSU campus, and that is on April 26th. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. Now, Colby, wh- what would you like to share with those people out there that may be having a lot of struggles right now in their life, and, and what kind of advice could you give or or confirmation that they can bounce back from this? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if everyone realizes that they matter, that I have individual worth, no matter what may be happening in my life or what I may be hearing, I still have worth. And then having that connection with just one other person that can validate that is is tremendous and enables that bounce back that Krista was, was talking to. We all get knocked down, but how do we bounce back? And if we can remember that we are worth something, I, we're worth bouncing back, um, then that could just give us that, that oomph to to get back up. Um, and, and when I, when I speak at the symposium, I'll share a story from, from when I was uh, with my special forces, a team, and we were shot down in a, in a helicopter as we were inbound to a Taliban target and, and the chaos that ensued, how we did not plan to get shot down that day <laughs> mm-hmm. and how just everything went upside down. And, and how did we survive? How am I here today? What happened on the ground that day amongst my teammates that enabled our survival instead of just total annihilation. Um, and a lot of it dealt with, with those human connections. We trusted each other. We communicated, we executed basic fundamentals that we practiced and trained on. And all of those can be transferable to our mental fitness as well. There are tools that Krista specializes. That's her specialty. And all Mm -hmm. of these speakers, they just like a soldier, we can learn how to aim and point and shoot and fire a weapon, but we can do similar with our mental fitness. We can learn tools and expert expertise that enable us to to be mentally fit just that, as much as physical. That's a great way to, to analogy for that. I, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah. um, Krista, then who is sponsoring this? I mean, what kinds of things then does Southwest at your job, prevention, help to to get this ball rolling and, and this resilience idea, you know, it's been around for years, but we really haven't practiced it much out there. So yeah, I work at Southwest Behavioral Health. We're the Medicaid provider for mental health services here in Washington County. And um, our uh, co-sponsoring organizations for the symposium is the Washington County Prevention Coalition, uh, which I am the coordinator of. So we're a group of adults that works on um, education and um, implementing evidence-based programs to help kids kids make good choices, especially when it comes to substances and mental health and that sort of thing. Um, Reach for Hope, which as we all know is the Suicide Prevention Coalition. And then um, here at DSU, uh, our co-sponsor is the Booth Wellness Center. So um, a lot of uh, really interested parties in making sure that our community and youth have a lot of mental health resources. That's great. It sounds like a big teamwork, which is what Colby was talking about when he was out in the field. I could just visualize that teamwork uh, to make sure that you you don't leave anybody behind. You got to work together in order to f- to build that resiliency. And if you feel left out or alone, you're you're not going to get there. So yeah. we all need to help each other in this. Um, Colby, um, how would you describe getting those um, skills of resiliency? Uh, awareness is one. I think being aware that whatever feelings I'm experiencing are are real. That they're whether they're physiological, something that's 
tangible. I'm like, maybe I'm losing eyesight or some, some trump, some physical or to, or just meant something in my, my head, a mental reaction, uh, maintaining that awareness then allows you to, to take proactive steps. Well, okay. So this is happening. I'm, I'm feeling this. I'm, I, it's real. Um, now how can I go about, uh, mitigating the feelings I'm having? What type of, um, I don't know the correct terminology, but what type of, uh, strategies can I employ to help me get out of the, the feeling I'm having right now? or to, to recognize the triggers that may set off these feelings, being more aware of those. And if they do happen, then, then how can I take proactive measures to, to uh, keep my, to deal with it? And yeah. sometimes it's just a simple matter of pausing, taking a deep breath yeah. and letting it back out Yes, yeah. or going and hiding in a closet for an hour. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know why I'm yeah. just making that up, but um, Krista, we talked a little bit about the keynote speaker, Lenore. She's going to be there. Tell us the time frame between six and nine and in, and the time frames and why this is worth people going and seeing. This is, this is an event we've never seen before, but it's, it's really important for people to learn these skills of all ages. Yeah, so I think that everybody that I've spoken to about the symposium is really excited about the idea because resilience seems to be a topic that is on everybody's mind right now. I think that, you know, we've just come out of the pandemic and we've all taken a beating. All resilience has all been tested. And so we're seeing it in our kids and we're feeling it in ourselves and we're worried. And we're worried about, you know, as a community, as a nation, are we problem solvers anymore? Because we all kind of just want to crawl in bed. (laughs) You know, it can be really hard sometimes getting out bed is, is, is our big success for the day. And so, uh, so it is a three hour program, but I think that there is, because we wanted to look at this from as many points of view as possible, everybody is going to have something different to say. And so I think that it's going to be a really engaging conversation. We do have some of our speakers will be speaking for just a brief amount of time, kind of throwing their, their thoughts out on the table. Um, we have our featured speakers who will be delving in a little bit deeper to their personal stories and, and ideas and our keynote speaker will take the last hour. Um, there will all be also be about 15 or 20 minutes at the end that will open it up to the audience to ask questions, either of any of our speakers or just share their own thoughts about resilience, um, share their stories, share their opinions uh, about where we need to go next. Yeah. What do you hope that the audience then gets out of this? So I, what I'm hoping will shake out to the top is some something actionable. Like yeah. you said, I want to know what do we do, right? I said I started this because I had a question both as an educator and as a parent of what do we do with our youth now that we're facing this crisis of resilience? How can I, as a parent, you know, parent more effectively so that my kids grow up with the, the coping skills that they're going to need in a world that I have no idea how to prepare them for, right? I, I, you know, I don't know what, what should I, should I prepare them for college or to compete with robots for jobs? Or do I teach them to hunt and purify water? Cause it's all going to fall apart. I don't know what's coming, <laughs> <laughs> but they're going to need resilience skills because they don't know what's coming either. Right. And so, um, I, that's what I'm kind of hoping shakes up to the top is, is what do we do as parents and educators to create a more resilient people? And you've got to have that grit, I think. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that word said over and over again, which kind of gives you that stamina and that power and that hope in yourself mm-hmm. to be able to say, I can do this. Yeah. No matter what comes, I can get back up. Like you said, yeah. you, you fall down, you get back up. Yeah. And Colby, I'm sure that you've had to get back up many times. Sometimes. But <laughs> what do you grasp for inside that brings you back up? 
I think I, I look outward. I look for mentors, positive uh, examples who've gotten up before me, and and I try to learn from their examples. Uh, my grandfather is one. My uh, my grandpa Labram. He he uh, taught me that if I feel like I want to quit, then just quit tomorrow. <laughs> uh, if you're in that moment of wanting to quit, then just just find one more goal to get to. Whether it's just get to dinner tonight. And yeah, then, and then think about quitting. And just like yeah. our reach for hope, tomorrow's another day. So exactly. don't give up. Yeah, keep on going. Yeah, move or die. One of the two. I mean, yeah. that's a terrible thing to say, yeah. but you got to keep moving. You yeah. got to keep it in your mind that you're gonna make it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, real briefly, then, uh, Lenore is our last our, is our keynote speaker. But after this event, I understand that there's a an event here at DSU. Tell me a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah. So there's a, a concert with a cover band called Black Sabbatical, and so all of our symposium attendees will also be invited if they choose to do so to attend the concert as well. So. So you can come and for the academic stimulation and then we can go let off some steam at a fun concert. So well, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. It'll yeah. Be any, good any last thoughts, Colby, about why you think this is a great thing for people to come and, 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 um, listen to. Yeah. We were just mentioning a, a, a stat I heard last week that the leading cause of death here in Utah among kids 10 to 17 is suicide. So thank goodness for people like Krista and, and Melissa and the Reach for Hope Coalition who are taking that on head on and, and teaching us tools and, and ways that we can arm not only ourselves, but those that we love and, and serve with. All right. Yes. And I'd like to thank you both for all that you're doing in our community. Keep us going with the school pulse and the prevention uh, efforts at, at Southwest. And, and we hope that everybody will join uh, this for this. Again, the date is uh, April 26th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Eccles Auditorium. And that's right here on the DSU campus. Right. Okay. Thanks for watching. We hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK because you matter and there is always hope. This has been a production from a podcast studio.